What's Death Wish? Charles Bronson. The car movie? Well, no, I'm thinking Death Race. That's what I'm thinking. Okay, Death Wish. Have I watched that? Did you watch the Eli Roth version? Which was? Bruce Willis. Oh, that was Eli Roth? Yeah. I don't think I did. You're not. I would have. I would have watched it if I knew it was Eli Roth. His name was above the title. He really does. Yeah, but most of the time with Tarantino and Eli Roth, you get produced by or produce. You know what I mean? Like, are they still homies or they fall out? I don't know. It's funny because it's like. Also, Eli Roth does feel like Tarantino light, right? I was just going to say, Eli, Tarantino (laughs) is a guy who like can see the magic and the value in genre films and kind of make them mass marketable while still being edgy, which is like incredible. And then Eli Roth is a guy who's like an enthusiast and just copies it and doesn't really capture it well. And you're like, oh, I mean, Hostel was cool, but that was kind of its own thing. Yeah. But then Green Inferno, I'm like, how did you not like hit a bullseye here? I feel like I I thought you liked Green Inferno. I do. we, We saw it together. I did not. I liked it as a dude who enjoyed watching a cannibal movie in a movie theater located in a mall. Like it was kind of the whole thing for me as just a movie. If like, if there were no names and it was just the product on a table kind of thing, you put that in line with all the other cannibal films. And it's like, nah, this is not. Well, it's a good thing you mentioned cannibals because uh, I also saw a cannibal movie that also took place in that same mall movie theater. Welcome to episode. What episode is this? 392. 392 of the <laughs> Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. This is the first time we've ever done this. Randy, Randy, I, I want to commend you for you being on the ball because we were just we were just uh, venting, uh, ramping, talking, vamping. That's the word I wanted to say. I said Glamping. two things that weren't the same, wanted to get vamping, got it in there, and I saw that Randy had uh, pressed the record button, so I, and we had been talking for about three minutes. And I said, well, it's a, it's a good, I like this little conversation we got going on with little QT. I've just recently purchased his new book. Randy, have you read that yet? Not yet, no. I uh, plan on picking it up soon, probably, too. I read the first page. Captivating. <laughs> Very exciting. The comment on this and much more is Russell John the Fisherman. You say QT? QT is what I call it. From Together? Do you remember that show? On TV about the boy band yes. <laughs> what? called together. No. They had a member named QT. QT is a gas station company. Oh, it's also the member of that Quick band trip. who I think killed himself in real life. Mm. Producers, can you double check? Did QT from Together kill himself? The actor, not the character. This is breaking news. I have no idea what QT is. He's a character in the band. No, together. together. Yeah. Oh, is it the number two? The number together? two. Yeah. And their their hit song had a math equation play the humorous uh, chorus. Right. I can't go. You and me equals love or something. I don't know. So was this a joke band or a real thing? It was MTV. It was very like. Well, wasn't O Town MTV too? The fuck is O Town? You don't know what O Town is? Liquid Dreams? Oh, town! <laughs> he did not kill himself. He died of respiratory failure. Oh, boo! Eight days after his sixteenth birthday. Whoa, he was young. Sixteen. 
Uh, thank you for tuning into the memorial <laughs> of QT O Town. I'm sorry, I have to look it up. I don't know what that is, but I I love Liquid Television. Have, there's nothing on there. I don't know. Who cares? Uh, yeah, yes, really. Uh, you know, I try to come in and be ready for anything when you're hosting the show, and you completely caught me off guard. Not by jumping into an intro because I was there with you. Yeah. For committing to that caught me off guard. Like, hey, at any moment I was ready for you to be like, you know, it erased that. Do you know why? Because this is Clark six point nine. Sixty nine. Yeah, man. Right. Six point nine. I was gonna go two point oh, but I'm like, no, 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 no. It's six point nine. What happened to you during Thanksgiving? You're a new man. No, dude. Uh, Thanksgiving was good. It was good to be home for four days opposed to nine (laughs) last time I was. Yeah. Uh, Don't do that. Uh, Well, that that was a scheduling thing. I didn't really. There was. Yeah. Last minute, too. It seemed like it was going to be a a nightmare for you. But yet, I don't know. You came back. Well, I spent uh, far too much money. Um, but that's oh, humble brag, dude. No, no, no. Just getting home was very expensive. That's why you're wearing five watches right now. <laughs> well, you know, it's a it's a nice little ensemble here. A little gift. A double a double fist and watch, dude. <laughs> I'll DFW right now. No, I won't, because I hate Dallas Fort Worth Airport. Same. Uh, no, we agree on that. Uh, it's the worst airport known to man. Uh, I, however, having said that, flying back. Um, because I, I had some leftover, I still had, I had a fair amount of points because of travel and whatnot. Um, so I got, I was first class for one of my legs cause I, I, I paid it straight out of points. And then I had enough points for a one day pass at the fucking Admiral's lounge. Oh, oh. Hell yeah. Yeah. So you had one leg in the Admiral lounge oh, so and one you, leg in first class. That's right. <laughs> so Daddy's got two legs <laughs> that are blue, baby. Blue blood running through both of them legs. And balls. Took me a little while to get there. Here's the thing. You can get a day pass for like 60 bucks. Um, is it worth 60 bucks? What the fuck bu- is the Admiral's Lounge? Okay. Let's walk you through it. Terminal C of Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. It is between C-19 and gate C-20. I was in gate C-37, so a little bit of a trek, but I was able to do it because I had a three-hour layover. I go straight there to the lounge, get there. It's two stories. you got to take an elevator. Never taken an elevator in the airport in my life. That was cool. Get up to the airport. (laughs) Get there. you got your own private little uh, desk there, so if you need to take any travel stuff, you got people there to take care of it. I'll tell you, it was enormous. I can't, I can't express to you how big this room was. Um, it was like probably 15 terminals long. Yeah. It was it was very long. Why? What are you doing in this room? Um, well, they've got food there for you. Yeah, uh, eating, car. drinking, hanging out. Yeah. And oh uh, chargers galore, you know. How uh, cool are all the people hanging out in this room? Dead, soulless. <laughs> you know? Are they all flying alone? A lot of, lot of business people and, you know, old white people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the occasional me. <laughs> With your fedora and your five watches. That's right. Well, as famously <laughs> we stated on the show, I left my fedora in Mississippi, mm-hmm. so I brought it back. 
you know, I'm going to dust it off at Terminal C. Oh, my God. You know me. Hell, yeah. Uh, they had a taco bar when I was there. Um, I'll tell you, not terrible. Not terrible uh, ground beef situation. It was a nice, it was a nice ground beef. I'll, I'll say that. What kind of shell? Oh, uh, flour. Okay. Tortilla. I fuck a hard shell. I love a, oh, I love a hard shell. Yeah. I love a crispy taco. Who wants a crunchy hot dog? I love it. No, dude. Crispy tacos. <laughs> dude, crispy tacos are the best. Nah, they're shit. No, it's like a, it's like a grown up nacho. You. Yeah, no, it's great. Nothing can be grown up about a nacho. Randy, I know you're with me on this crispy taco situation. I'm not. I'm a soft taco guy unless <laughs> I'm going to Taco Bell. Then I'll do a crispy. Oksana, where are you? Uh, what the? <laughs> yeah, I'm the only one that's hard here, baby. Except for those ones that come from that food truck that I don't know the name of. What the hell? Where you dip them in that. Oh, so she's talking about the extra crunchy fried pocket of meat. That you dip into um, <laughs> consomme, birria. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, birria taco, dude. Those are great. That's a different. Thing. That's also become like a new thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where, where did that come from? How? Well, I don't understand how new food fu- fits. It's fusion cuisine. You take a taco that has a rich cultural background and a lot of flavor, and then you make it American, throw it in a fryer. And then it turns into a well, jack-in-the-box taco. I don't think it's American. I, just, I was just making a joke yeah. about fried food. Which, Jacko Bell talk, or Jacko Bell? <laughs> Jacko Bell? <laughs> that sounds Cajun. Dude. Fucking Jacko Bell taco. Jack-in-the-box Taco Bell? Oh, my God. Jack-in-the-box tacos are good. I will stand by I'm, I'm over that shit. Because all the, the, the shit's all in the middle. So I just take a bite in the middle and then fuck the rest of it. Yeah. It's worth a 50 cent bite. I'll, t- I'll yeah, say that. Yeah. It's as a one bite situation. Mm-hmm. If you strategically place that, place that bite, I got no problem. But if I eat that fucking taco like you should eat a taco, not a good experience. Actually, you know what? I, I, it's funny because I like those tacos, but only when I'm hungover or drunk. Well, that's because you're a trash man. Well, not for November because I <laughs> stayed true. Unlike Randy over here, I, uh, you know, I did have a few. I had a lot of limitations going on this month. Yeah. But I stuck to no coffee, no alcohol. Oh, boy. Yeah. What did I miss out You on? made the whole month? What? Well, we still got one more day. I got one more day. I could fall off. One day Depending more. on how this show goes, I might immediately <laughs> fall off the wagon. How's the no? Well, you, I see you're drinking tea. So how, the, It's it, not caffeine. It was just no coffee. Okay. Yeah. No, no, I, I, yeah. that's fine. But no, everybody's like, whoa, caffeine? How are you going to do? I'm like, eh. No, uh, but what I'm saying is, I've got I've got two questions. Uh, question number one: um, Do you miss your, Do you miss your coffee? Yeah, okay. It wouldn't be a thing if I wasn't gonna like hurt. Uh, December one, we're going right back. I don't know. Okay, I'm gonna try and keep it going. Okay, the coffee thing I feel like is more harmful. Yes, yeah. which may lead me to uh, question number two: How's the shits? Uh, have you noticed any discernible difference? Well, now that I have a child and I've become you and what? I, I actively pay attention to pooping, like I cheer it on now. See, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> also, I, I think they've been better. Dude, I was constipated this morning. Here's I don't the know thing. what's going on. Alcohol, the inflammation is real and I don't miss it. So I don't know. I may hold on to that for a little bit longer too. Yeah. Switch over to the green side, baby. Oh my God. <laughs> The, pro- the problem with joining the Green Party is I just feel very lame. 
doing that. Yeah, you get over that pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I'll have to borrow some of your blacklight posters you know, and that, <laughs> that hat with the dreadlocks attached to it. What do you call those? Uh, can I tell you, I, I as a, a teenager, I had I definitely had both. As those. a teenager, Randy, he's lying to me. He's wearing it right 100% now. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, three ninety, three ninety two, three ninety two. It's weird because I'm used to skipping the number. Yeah, but we're knocking on the door of uh two months. Wait, we're knocking on the door of four hundred. Yep. Is yep. that right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Well, also uh, close to four hundred. Also, uh, we might as well have this conversation on microphone, um, because I, I feel like it's the best way for me to trap you. Oh, no. uh, because I think that this, I, I want you to know this, I, I don't look forward to having this conversation every <laughs> single year for the seventh year now. What? Is it the fucking lookies? We got to start thinking about the lookies. Okay. Well then I need to have a conversation with you <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, I, even though it's an audience, again, for anybody new listening, the lookies are where we are very highbrow and valuable opinions come in and we tell you the best movies of the year. Um, yep. Terrell, our good friend, has all year been bugging me to be on this Lookie Award. He's like, I need to be on there because you So you want to throw that at me? I got a Terrell in my back pocket. <laughs> okay, first of all, I have executive power. <laughs> Second of all, people just don't invite themselves to this show. You oh, have to be extended an invitation. Well, I love so, hanging out with them. So uh, as do I. Yeah. But Terrell... Know your role. <laughs> I'm just saying. Anytime I have a you know uh, an opportunity for a power move, I'm gonna take yeah, it. Yeah, I know. Thank I've so experienced it. Well, for comedic purposes, we're on 400 episodes now. I've uh, I have lash marks. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Fucking price of business, dude. <laughs> You're right. It is my own fault. I need to fall in line. Hey. You know, bitches gotta learn. That's why you are in the admiral chamber or wherever the hell you had to hell land. Hell yeah. Dude, I, yeah, honestly, like if I travel, yeah, why not do it? I had a three hour layover. Delta like, doesn't do the uh, one day um, price. You have to actually sign up for a whole year. Oh, really? Oh, dang. Yeah, the Delta Sky Club. However, I'm also a, a miles guy and I got the credit card and I got enough free miles that uh, I signed up for the Delta Sky Club. So I'll hell. be a Sky Club guy uh, in like 20 days when I fly to Boise. <laughs> When are you gonna be in the Mile High Club, dude? Never. <laughs> uh, but see, does it take two to tango, or can you join the Mile High Club alone? If you're if you're following me. Oh, but th this is a sad conversation. It <laughs> takes two to tango. All right. Well, I was trying to get if Randy you, a backdoor. You, should, door you should not be rewarded. <laughs> you should not be rewarded in any sense of yanking it on a plane <laughs> in a bathroom. You could flick it. And there should you. be no title given to you. I don't know why you went right to men. Women can do it too. That's cool though. <laughs> <laughs> if a girl was to go in there and chill off. Then they're going to give her a, a exclusive club card. By the way, is, did that ever catch on? What? Jilling off. I don't know what the fuck you were talking about there. Jacking off and jilling off. Oh, Girls God. jill off, dude. Jokes no. always work when you have to walk people through them. <laughs> <laughs> can I tell you, I've seen you see that in print sometimes. What? Like, what? Jill and off. It was like, oh, Jack, Jill. I instantly Look thought of that. Jill and Hole. <laughs> like Jill and Hole. Jill and Hole. Yeah. 
Do something in post there. Put, <laughs> put some nice uh, effects in there. All right. Uh, what are we doing first? Well, it's late. We should uh, get to our guest. Okay. You know, he loves doing these weekend ones, by the way. Everybody's working for it. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not the, the weekday. Now, um, oh, that is true. Every now and then. What day is it? Oh, it's t- God, it's Tuesday. You should know. You went to work today. <sighs> I'm, I'm living in the limbo of uh, just being at home. Living in the limbo of being at home. Although I'm a little worried because now that we do have a new life in here, I'm, I, I have more appointments than I've ever had in my life. Correct. So I'm just hanging which out is at why home. You're, which is why you're headed for an early grave. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm having a good time. I'm, I'm laughing. <laughs> so we'll see how, the, uh, you know, when we, I don't know if I want to get into that. Anyway, um, yeah, our, one of our favorite directors on the show. We give him a looky every year just for showing up. He's the king of art house. He, you know, you're, you know you're prolific when people describe a movie by your name. Hitchcockian. Is there anybody else other than Hitchcock and our guest today, David Lynch? Uh, Tarantine. Nobody's. <laughs> that's a Tarantino film. Tar- Tar- you say it every you week. You say it. It's a Tarantino film. No. I like Hitchcockian, Lynchian. Oh. Cronenberg. Cronenbergian. Bergian, maybe. All right. Well, look at the company he keeps. He's the, uh, the, the maker of the only good black and white movie, Eraserhead whom uh, my son does an impeccable impersonation of. We should record that. He, do, he doesn't really do it anymore, though. No, no He got no. bored with it. <laughs> I just, But it, it's it's like he's throwing it. It's cool. Yeah, he he really gets into his improv. Wait, you know, fresh little lungs, man. I know. I mean, you know, just wait till I teach him how to smoke his first cigarette on his fourth birthday. Well, here, here we go. It's going to be tight. Uh, as part of our David Lynch intro, because he gave me some attitude, so I'm going to make him wait outside the door. Oksana, what's your favorite David Lynch movie, and why? Pass. God. <laughs> you wouldn't even play? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I haven't even seen that many of his movies. Okay. So I mean, I, I, why do you continue to throw to her? I knew the road had potholes in it. But it is nothing but a road of disappointment. <laughs> I didn't think the tire was going to pop. All right, let's bring so him in. As, as soon as you got off the exit. <laughs> All right, come in. Good morning. It's November 29, 2022, and it's a Tuesday. Today I was thinking about the Paris sisters and their song, I Love How You Love Me, from the year 1961. Everyone, have a great day. Dude, thanks for coming out. Absolutely worthless during the week. <laughs> that's the weekday, man. The week is worthless. He only works on the weekends. That's when he gets on the train. That's he's true. got his work hat on. He's counting cars. Yeah, I I think he's loving life on that train. Yeah, I know. That's I why mean, he's eating cookies, pies. God, he hasn't had a decent meal on that train, has he? Um, not late. Oh, he had a sandwich. Oh, that's a sandwich. Here, that's yeah. right. And a cookie. That is the only proper sustenance <laughs> he has received on this train. A cookie. I do. I love it when he says that. cookie. <laughs> All right, uh, dude. It's been a while since uh, you know our favorite three letters. Stained. Uh, shout out to Randy last week. Yeah, yeah, dude. I completely forgot right here. Dude, the nighttime shows. It's weird. It's dark in this room. We only have one lamp. 
I don't have sunglasses on. What's um, that about? Uh, get ready, because in this episode, I'm going to be talking about directional lighting a lot. And I feel like Yay. that Pixar lamp we have back there is totally uh, on brand. It, that 100% is the Pixar lamp. Yeah. And if that doesn't instantly give you an image in your head. Oh, dude. What? What's the chances if I were to take mushrooms oh, and go oh, in this room? The lamp. That lamp like, would do that Pixar shit. You know, here's the what's thing. My, what's the chance? You. <laughs> you're a fun guy. But here's the thing. Mushroom, baby. It's kind of like you're in a mascot suit, but in it, you're like rotting and it stinks in there and it's all foul, right? Why do you, that's the first thing I think when I wake up. So here's the thing. If you came in here, everybody, like if we had cameras in here, people would be like, this is going to be so much fun. That Pixar lamp's going to come to life. And then I think you would look around the room for two seconds and everything is a nightmare in here. There are skulls, there There, are gallons of blood. This would be, this would be a bad room to be in. For you. Yeah. I, I, There's a lot. So, are you saying I'm a Joshua Tree hack? Uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, you'd probably have to go to. You'd probably have to go to Randy's house and sit in the leaves on his lawn Hell and look yeah. at the architecture. <laughs> yeah, outside's good. I hear. I <laughs> the one time I did it, and I was watching Akira and uh, Kurosawa and heavy metal. Of I course I were. drove somebody home after, and we were there for a long time, and I'm like, ah, oh, it's gone. I stepped outside and it felt like my uh, I I was being birthed. I'm like, oh god, it was so warm and nice in there, and now the world is cold and empty, yeah. and I'm getting in this car and oh, it was scary. And I promise you, it was only two blocks away for all you concerned for me twelve years ago. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is the return to our found footage <clears throat> segment where we have our field reporter Thomas Burke go out. And find footage. He pulls it out of the hands of corpses, and then he watches it. We don't watch it right away because it might be like a ring situation. We don't want to be cursed, so he watches it, writes us an email, and then uh, I throw in my two cents there. And uh, now the shit I watched this week, he's doing deep cut shit. So uh, get ready. And w- remember, we got to share a link for this, Oksana. So yeah, let's get into the. Uh... Oh yeah, we have we have fucking music for this. See, this is why we can't do weekday night shows this is on you (laughs) anyway the tbr report in this week's tbr report it's time to get into some undiscovered footage as i'm surprisingly parenthesis recommending a lesser known found footage series from the producers who made the ring and maholland drive called Haunting Melissa. Note to self, colon, how have I not heard of this? Question mark, exclamation, exclamation, question mark, question mark, exclamation. Logline, colon. Melissa mysteriously disappears when she seeks out the truth behind her mother's death in an isolated farmhouse. So the unique thing about this series is back when it came out circa 2013, they released it in a way that was quite similar to what Black Mirror Bandersnatch did which was changing the narrative after each subsequent viewing, making the experience interactive. However, I haven't been able to learn more on the subject, so I'm curious as to what might as to what that might entail. While this show certainly rules, I think the sad part of it all is that some episodes are still undiscovered and may unfortunately be stuck in limboverse. Because to my knowledge, the only way one could originally watched this series was through an iTunes app. 
but it has since been removed from the online store. It could be due in part to the non-found footage branch of narrative they produced, but either way, this original storyline works far better off in my opinion. Nevertheless, the segments that people are actually able to track down are certainly both good and entertaining alone, so let me know what you think of this week, and maybe pass this wreck off to Lynch too. And I know he's busy, but just slide the idea over to him when he flies in because I've only been able to find chapters one through four. And perhaps he may be able to put in a good word into his industry peeps about getting us a peek into segments five through 11. Who knows? All the B, Tommy B, four attachments, scanned by Gmail. (laughs) Thank you, Gmail. Hey, I really enjoyed that voice, by the way. It was very um, professional. As I told you, I have been uh, listening to a lot of Audible books. (laughs) (laughs) So is this your audition right now? Yeah, dude. Well, okay. So here's the thing. When I was reading these emails and doing the show, kind of like the live nature, live to record nature we have, it's kind of hard for me to let it sink in. So even though you just read that email, I'm going to speak to you now, Clark. Oh. It's one of those things where, uh, again, iTunes had that weird, what was that other, what was that show we watched on Snapchat? That was a TBR report. Can you look Dead that up? Dead of Night. De- there you go. And it's becoming... Randy, what was that other one? There was another streaming service. That Spine had a- of Night. No, not Spine of Night. Good good movie. Though. That's a good movie. Go back and listen to that episode. Somebody look that up. Um, That's a good movie, and I don't like that bullshit. So, Haunting Melissa. I, You know, Tom mentioned in there that it had an interactive element. Like, this is a TV show. And again, um, IMDb, you read it up top, but I'm just going to reinstate it. Melissa mysteriously disappears when she seeks out the truth behind her mother's death in an isolated farmhouse. This this TV show, if you can even call that, I don't know what it is. It's so the way that so Tom attached four links to watch what he called a TV show. Episode one is 11 minutes long. Episode two is 20 minutes long. Episode three and four are spliced together and they're 43 minutes long. Okay, so we're kind of hitting like a 20 minute groove. But, man, it's so weird. Like, one, it's an interesting found footage. Like, if you're just going to cut these together and make a movie, we open up. There's an um, anthology-type host. But it's very found footage-esque. Well, we're almost, it's like he's talking into a computer monitor. He's wearing a hoodie. His face is blurred out, and we're getting a masking effect over his voice. Masking threshold. And he's saying what happened to Melissa, what you think happened to her, didn't happen to her. I'm going to prove it. So we're, we're initiated to... Is he gaslighting? No. I think he's actually trying to clear it up. He's trying to clear... Well, that's what they all say. So he's a, he's a horror host type guy. And he is also our editor, apparently. Gotcha. So I love that right off the bat. So he's got the power, dude. Pretty much. Um, and he could have the power to manipulate the footage. Yeah. So you we, had the power, you get the pussy. That's what they say. <laughs> Shut the hell up. <laughs> so there are two girls in a room. And uh, they're talking into a camera. One of the things I love immediately about this, they're not setting up what we're about to watch. We're jumping in the middle of a conversation and they're saying, do you really think we can see things with the camera we can't see in regular life? And we immediately pick up that one girl is pressuring another to walk around her house and try and look for paranormal activity. But it's not like in a fun way. Yeah. Like these girls have just gone through something emotional and they're trying to like bolster their um, evidence, maybe. And it's interesting. I, I came up with the word. Did I write it down? <laughs> Explorization. 
<laughs> There's no way you nailed that. Um, so no, it's exploration and exposition. So now we have directional lighting. We're walking through a house and we're basically exploring the house. It's it's a lot of fun. I love that in found footage. But at the same time, they're kind of telling us what's going on. And it felt very natural. This is a very indie product, though. At least it feels so as far as acting and everything. These are not like uh, seasoned veterans. They actually look like younger girls who are going for more of a verisimilitude than a like uh, actor on the stage kind of approach. And they're walking around. And one of the things I picked up on that is the best part is that what kicked off this whole paranormal hunt is the, <laughs> one of the girls downloaded a song off the Internet. Hell yeah. But the lyrics seem to be addressing her. So they're saying, Melissa, open the door. It's a good gag. And they're like, what? But you don't hear the song. They only talk about it. Oh, that's The girl's like, do you think that it was talking to you? And she's like, what do you mean? Is it, you think, budgetary concerns? No, I actually think it's the problem that Eduardo Sanchez was talking about, where the worst part of found footage is that the camera's always on when you need it to be. Yeah. So I like it when we're missing parts. And that's true. Especially with the editor being a character who's hiding himself. And he's like, I'm going to prove it to you. It's like. I don't know. If you're thinking about this in an ARG way, he doesn't have everything, but he's laying out the case. I get what you're saying, but, uh, you know, as a romantic at heart, any song that is n didn't have a chance to be born is just sad. Well, as a comedy fan, too, it's one of those things. Remember in Middleman? Again, yep. this is a callback. Go find that episode. Somebody pull up. And that go number. watch that movie. It's a great movie. Um, Middleman did a thing where they were doing the Tenacious D, the greatest song ever written. But, of course, you can't do that because art is subjective. Um, so here I feel like if you actually put a song in there, it would be distracting where yeah. we're, we're kind of walking around a house and it's creepy. Also, you instantly notice it looks like the home you grew up in and they're like, why are there crosses everywhere? And she's like, oh, when my mom's mental health started slipping, she got really religious. And it's like, oh, here's our exploration. We're, the, we're having fun. We're on a roller coaster. What, does bitch live at Annie Hardy's house? <laughs> No, so we're walking around and they get to the door where her mom died and she's like, we should open it. And she's like, I'm not opening that door. And here's like the movie. We, the next we cut to her in therapy and her therapist and she's talking about her boyfriend, how her boyfriend said she hasn't dealt with her mother's death. The story is a lot of fun. There's a lot of mixed media in here. I believe we go from the therapy room to a security camera to a video diary to like, we're all over the place. And I'm telling you, it's very interesting. But like Tom set up, this shit is gone. So Tom put links to one through four. The first episode, very easy to find. I'm going to warn you now because we are going to put this online so everybody can watch it. When you click on it, you got to turn off your fucking ad blocker. They're going to make you, I, I was like, I'm going to do it because it's a TBR report. It's actually very easy if you go into your browser, DM us. We can walk you through it. We got an IT guy. Randy will be happy to help anytime. <laughs> to walk you through it. I do no homework to watch a damn movie. It's not. You just you click a button. Uh, the much. first episode, very easy. Second link. Now we're in some Thomas Burke territory, and this is why we have him out on the field pulling film reels out of uh, the swollen cadaver of a bloated body off a river. He... um. It's, it's like a Japanese website. Nothing is in English. And when you click it, you got to be careful because it's going to want to play into an endless stream of ads. So just watch out there. And then episode three and four are spliced together. 
after that, I, I don't even think there's a trail. So anybody out there, I know some of you listening are very savvy. If you can track down any more haunting Melissa, uh, one, you'll deserve a reward because Thomas is the best at doing this. And if you can, I mean, y'all should hook up if you can find it. But two, do it because it's very interesting. It does get a little bit hokey. So don't get your hopes up. This is some like lost art house masterpiece. It's definitely worth watching if you're a found footage fan, though. So, yeah, if anybody can find it, there is a listing on IMDb, too. So I'm not sure if Tom's reached out to anybody who's worked on it. But the shit being locked up in some like Apple, like iTunes app is just that's a bummer. So I would I would love to dig this one up on a scale from cigarette butts to the Los Angeles Dodgers. What? What do you rate it? What? Which is good. <laughs> what? Just play the game. Dude. Um, I would give it a four. And again, <laughs> remember. Also, uh, here if you want to get into this, I'll, I'll save it for after the TBR thing. Um, one thing I do want to leave you with: there is a moment where there is a four-way chat on a fake Facebook website. About. It is. I took a picture of it because I'm like, dude, they put in some work to build this out. This was done in 2013 when Facebook was still the powerhouse there. And uh, it's a trip because there's a lot to look at. And it's also like when it's done, you're kind of like, well, what was the point? Yeah. Yeah. It was, I don't know, dude, this shit is a blast. Tom, you're the best at this. Keep, keep digging around. And um, uh, yeah, we'll totally share that on Twitter and maybe in the discord. Randy, do we have an area in the discord for like video links? No, but I mean, you can share them wherever. Okay. Yeah, we should totally do that. Right. Is there an area in the Discord where I give a shit? <laughs> no, because you're not on it. Yeah. We just talk shit about you in there anyway. That's fine. True. And I'm, I love being the heel. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a role I was born to play. So because you smoke weed, are you the high heel? <laughs> and Give me the high heel. God. That sounded like shit in my head. <laughs> <laughs> that like peaked. Peaking. That peaked. <laughs> I thought the same thing. Mm-hmm. All right, Randy, I need you to save us and save this episode. Oh, okay. I don't know if I'm going to do that with the first one. I, the first one will bore people, although I, I dug it. Um, we're getting into, uh, you know, we're getting into the, the later end of the year. We're getting into award season and we got a lot of... Uh, a movies coming out that are probably going to be like awards heavy movies towards end of year. Now see, Randy likes the lookies. Randy's pro lookies. He doesn't come in here uh, threatening with <laughs> other guests. Look at his talking now, dude. <laughs> in his back pocket, Randy. What? What? Who you got in your back pocket? Uh, that's a good question. I don't think I have anybody. Come on. Fucking Sandy Tan or some shit. <laughs> Not even a cellar dweller, dude. <laughs> Dig one of them up. All right. Yeah, we'll get Christian. We could do it in person. The two Let's of us. Do it. Uh, dude. All right. Here's the thing. If we can do a cellar dwellers reunion on this show, <laughs> <laughs> then no more lookies ever. How about that? No, I'd rather just have Christian on the lookies. I like tormenting friends, dude. I like Jerry Springer type of <laughs> events. <laughs> so that's what I want. Baby, bring me the drama. Now, Randy Michael. Yes, sir. Uh, you now, you know, again, bringing uh-huh. the listener behind the curtain. 
you told me before the show in our pre-production meeting, which is very structured, very rigid. Yes, sir. And we accomplish a lot. You told me you had watched two and a half films this week. So I'm very excited uh, to see how your formula equals two and a half. Well, one is a one episode of a TV show, but the first one I'm going I'm talking about is uh <laughs> is the new Steven Spielberg uh, movie, The Fablemans, which I'll also be quick oh, on because oh. uh, yeah, I don't know, plenty of people are talking about The Fablemans. It's good. Uh, Paul Dano plays a stand-in for Steven Spielberg's father, and um, yeah, it's basically a movie about uh, Steven Spielberg's like childhood. Um, partly fictionalized, I assume, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, Paul Dano, Michelle Williams and Gabriel LaBelle, who I think is like a newer actor. He plays essentially the Steven Spielberg character named Sammy. Um, and yeah, this, so the trailer looked very like, uh, it had a lot of like very, you know, like emotional music and it looked like it was going to be kind of like a, you know, a heartstring pull of a movie. It's not really. Randy. Yeah, Randy. The name the name of this movie should be "Hey, We're Jewish." <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Jewish stuff in it. That that that's what the trailer made it seem like. Yeah, because it was it was like you know, uh, hey, there's a Christmas tree. Why don't we have a Christmas tree? Next thing yeah. you know, they're they're lighting the menorah, and then next thing you know, fucking bullying in the schools. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah, it's a. Like I said, I, I actually really dug it. It took me maybe like 40 minutes to like really get into it. Um, at first, it I don't know. I just wasn't super into the tone at first. But then, uh, yeah, it I didn't realize it was a movie like told mostly in vignettes. Like everything, you know, works together because it's like about him and his family and everything. But um, I don't know. It's a lot more like loose than I would expect from like a Steven Spielberg movie. Um, and it really reminded me of... Uh, a movie probably neither of you have seen, uh, Fellini's Amarcord, which is a movie about Fellini's. Hey, that's, a, that's about older fat bitches. So I'm in. There's that. a lot of that in that. Yeah. Thank I so own much. it. I haven't watched it. Great See? movie. <laughs> Russell collects films and I like fat women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, The Fablemans is good. Uh, really dug it for the most part. Um, like I said, it took me a little bit to get into it, but once I was into it, I was, uh, it's pretty satisfied. I, I, Randy, you have to know that's not the most not satisfied. Yeah, it's uh, good. two stars. What will you get? Three and a half. Yeah, three and a half. Yep. Say, I know my, I know my Rand dog. I don't know, dude. I is there is does this follow like the typical biopic in a sense where, dude? That what if they went like full Bohemian Rhapsody with this yeah. and like you know you see Spielberg. At like, um, uh, he's like at an, an aquarium at the Shark Tank, and then he comes up with the idea for Jaws. So, like, we, I will say it's like surprisingly no, it's surprisingly not like self-referential. There's one scene where uh, him and his friends are riding bikes, but that's kind of like a, I don't know, a generic thing that kids do. Like it is in a lot of Spielberg movies. Uh, Randy, that's a reference to Stranger Things, dude. <laughs> <laughs> So but yeah, like I said, I was surprised it's not as uh like emotional. It's a lot looser than a lot of like Steven Spielberg movies. And uh yeah, oh yeah, I forgot to mention um I think Clark probably knows that David Lynch is in this movie. 
I think I did know that. I've forgotten. He pops up in one scene at the very end, and it's great. He's he's fantastic. He plays right. uh, filmmaker John Ford, who Spielberg met really? when he was a kid. Yeah. All right, I'm back in. It's a great scene. All right, dude, John Ford's tight. Yeah. All right, I'm back in. All right, I love this. All right, this is my new favorite. And, and the story seems wild when you're watching the movie, but I listened to multiple interviews where he basically said, like, that's what John Ford and him, that, that was their interaction, like, word for word, so... That's cool. All right, dude. All right, I'm back in. Yeah, all right. I'm glad. I'm glad because, dude, the trailer just made it seem like holiday saccharine bullshit, and I just, I, 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 I I'm not into that. So, yeah. Um, all right. I, Wait, if you knew David Lynch was in it, why didn't you ask him when he was here? He could have talked about it. It yeah. would have been better than oh, the Bee Gees. <laughs> <laughs> I figured you didn't want him sticking around for too long, so we got him out of there. Oh, well, thank you. He's a negative aura. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Randy, what else? I watched the new Quentin DePew film called uh, Incredible But True. I didn't know that man had a new movie. Oh, yeah, he's always got a new one. He has his second one that I think technically came out this year. I think it's only played Film Fest, but it's not like out, out yet. But Incredible But True, I think, is like five bucks on VOD. Um if you're a Quentin DePew fan, you pretty much you know kind of what to expect. It's less than like 80 minutes long. I think it's like 74 minutes. It's uh, goofy. It's kind of surreal. And it's absurd. Uh, essentially, this sort of, I don't know, middle-aged couple moves into a nice new house and the real estate agent uh, shows them and tells them that there is this thing about the house that is very strange that could kind of... Uh, you know, be a little uh, weird situation. And uh, the trailer doesn't give around, give away too much, and I won't give away too much because uh, it's got a fun little little sci-fi premise. Like, light sci-fi. It's not like, you know, it's not like a primer. But um, yeah, it's Good. not my favorite of his, but I think I like Deerskin probably the most and maybe Mandibles. Um, but yeah. yeah. Deerskin is... Um I, 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 I really like Deerskin as well, but it, it doesn't have that, uh, you know, comedic packaging. Like, uh, Deerskin's a little a bit of a bummer. Yeah. Like, it's darker. Yeah, than, for sure. You know, it's, it's, it's no uh, rubber, you know, it's no wrong cops. Yeah, I haven't seen rubber. I haven't seen either of those movies in a very long time. I need to, like, revisit them now that I'm a little more of a Quentin Depew fan, but... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I like watching his movies. He's always got something like interesting and they're always like pretty goofy and they're like always less than like 80 minutes. So, um, you know, yeah. he gets it. Well, it's the nice French, when he man. You know, throws one out there. All right. Yeah. I, Randy, I mean, uh, Russell, what's your name? Russell, did you know he had a new movie out? Yeah. Cause I'm in the discord. True. Oh <laughs> oh. <laughs> they were talking about it a bunch. I had to mute it. I need. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Mickey was the one that uh, put it on my radar, actually. Yep. Mickey. Up. Three friends, Mickey. All right. Randy Michael. Uh, and the, else? Yeah, the half of a movie that I saw is a TV show episode uh, that I talked about semi-recently. I talked about The Kingdom 1 from Lars von Trier recently. I finished 2, which is on movie, and I started The Kingdom Exodus, which is his new uh, oh. season of the TV show. 25 years later, 
And um, so far I'm really digging it. It's doing a very meta thing. So the, the beginning of the show, a character is watching the end credits of the last episode of uh, the second season. And oh, she's dude, kind he's of like, doing a human centipede. Fuck Thank yeah. You. Thank you. A little bit. Yeah. And she's kind of like talking shit about Lars von Trier. She's like, what was that bullshit that I just watched kind of type of thing. And, uh, she's a sleepwalker and, um, you can't really tell if she's actually sleeping or if she actually, if she's actually sleepwalking or if she just, uh, you know, got kind of a little too obsessed with the show, but she shows up to the actual kingdom hospital and she uh, wants to be hospitalized there because she thinks that she knows some stuff that's going on. So it's kind of doing this weird like meta thing where you don't know uh, if the things that happened in the show were real or not. Or if she's kind of just like a kind of little crazy obsessed with the the thing that she watched and if, if there's something going on with her. But it's really good so far. Uh, it's got the same similar tone. I will say I think it might be a little funnier than the last two seasons so far. Um the ending, he still does the end credits where he sort of uh, summarizes what you just saw, but he is not fully on camera. He is behind a curtain and he, uh, you can only see his feet, but you still hear his voice and he kind of does the same thing. But um, he, what he says, he says, I've retired a bit physically. And uh, he says that I can't keep up with the unbearably cocky 25 year old Lars von Trier. Um, so even that was like kind of meta and like fun. And I don't know. I, I know that he has uh, Parkinson's now, so maybe he didn't really want to appear on screen. So I don't know that added his, like another meta textual element to kind of like that scene. How, how does his feet look? Good. He's got, got some nice shoes on. We got a, we got a nice uh, loafer. Something like that. Yeah. They're, 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 uh, they got, they got some shine to the shoes. No, I don't think he's wearing boots. I don't know. Do the Danes wear boots? Are, are, are Danes, uh, are they boot guys? Russell, you're a boot guy. You see a lot of Danes out there in, in the boot world? Nope. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Not many. It seems like a loafer, man. All right, Brandy, uh, here's my question. What's my uh-huh. investment level on this thing? I mean, if you want to watch one and two, there is eight episodes between one and two. Hour pace? Uh, some are shorter, and I think some might be a little longer than an hour. In another language? Yes. Okay. Right. It's subbed. I think we're good here. Randy, what's the kind of genre we're dealing with? Von Trier is the genre. I know, but is it like art house all the way? Because you said humor, and now I'm starting to think it might be more like palatable. Yep. Von Trier's funny. Yeah, all this stuff has got dark humor. I know, but I'm just saying if, if like people weren't interested in Lars Von Trier, the director, is there anything for them? Um, I don't know. I mean, if you're like into horror adjacent supernatural yeah. stuff, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So it is kind of like horror. Yeah. It's darker. Okay. Yeah. It's his twin it's peaks. Yeah. But I mean, even David Lynch's return, I, we could have brought him in on this conversation, uh, to twin peaks. It was kind of like it, there was a higher entry level for the new one from what, uh, dude, there were fucking yeah. what Randy 18 goddamn episodes or some shit. I but think that's what so. I mean. Yeah, I have the. Uh, I don't have it here, but I have the Blu-ray uh, box set of the season, and I think it's like five discs or something. I was having a conversation with one of our um, East Bay cinematographer friends, uh, Josh, 
yesterday when he came over to shoot Blu-ray Tuesday, which is returning, so everybody should go watch it on YouTube, um, about like how we just get together and hang out and, you know, offer up our very valuable opinions on film for free for people and how it's so important that we get it out there and just like movie reviews in general. And I started like riffing on a new way to review movies, like instead of like a five star, like good and bad, where uh, it's kind of a remember when uh, everything everywhere all at once came out. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. I, well, we were talking on the show and um, we were just having a conversation about it and we broke it down by artistic value and uh, marketing value. Right. And I almost feel like that's another way that you could really like paint a picture of something like everything everywhere all at once is a perfect balance. Like if you were the uh, blind lady of justice holding the scale, it would be perfectly balanced. And I think that's what you want as like a studio movie. I think a lot of Marvel movies are that where they play around with the genre and there's a little bit of craft stuff. But at the end of the day, it's also a very like palatable, broad release movie. I don't know if they are anymore. Okay. That, that, that's fair. And actually, um, I used Marvel as an example. It's wildly incestuous now. Well, it's getting kind of old, so they're trying to make it a little bit yeah. more interesting, and I think they're losing people. Dude, that new Ant-Man trailer, which I can't stay away from, yeah. which is bombarding me every time I, I am near a movie theater. Well, um, it, dude, it's fucking the same shit as Doctor Strange. It's all about this multiverse, but now it's I like know. underground. I'm fucking sick of this shit. It's the same fucking bullshit. Well, I mean, what the first Ant Man was a heist movie, right? So this is this is what I'm talking about, though. Like it's it's a I've never seen an Ant Man in my life. Okay, well, <laughs> nor will. <laughs> now, so it's San Francisco, so everybody out here really was excited for it. But you know, the Marvel movies were like, oh, it's a superhero movie, but it's a heist movie, yeah. and so that's what I'm talking about with the balance. Where the Marvel like multiverse thing, I almost feel like it's an easy way to have your cake and eat it too which is honestly one of the problems I have with comic books, period, where it's like Captain America died. It makes national news. A month later, he's back. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Does it really matter? Uh, well, you know, Kiss did it for decades. Elton John did it. But, you he know, probably just did it <laughs> last week. If you were zoomed out enough to really be building a narrative of the Kiss, like, industry and following them around like this is a uh, yarn on a corkboard type shit. Yeah. <laughs> then I feel for you. But hey, Sylvia. It's a little bit different when you have investment. This is the thing with that movie that. Oh, my God. What was that Will Ferrell movie I always talk about? Birth of a Nation. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, he was wearing a hood the whole time. So you couldn't see him. <laughs> if acting. Will Ferrell <laughs> remade Birth of a Nation. No, it's that one that um, would mend our Stranger nation. Stranger than fiction. Stranger than fiction. Thank I you. like that movie. Me too. But it it that movie is the perfect example of here's an ending where a bad thing happens, but you have an emotional reaction, and then they undo it, and you're like, wow, it really feels cheap and hollow now. And then the movie ends, and you're like, you made your point, but now I don't like your movie. I feel like that's what the multiverse is, where it's like, yeah, oh, I'm dead, but everybody in the crowd knows you're not dead because you just went on, um comicbooks.com and said you're signing five more movies because that matters now. Anyway, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm in the weeds. Anyway. Can we get that domain, by the way? Randy, look at no, it. No, that's a real, that also came up in the conversation. Um, All right, look up comicbooks.xxx. <laughs> oh, that's definitely got to be a thing. Dot org. Um, no, Terrell was in the car with our East Bay cinematographer friend 
and uh, Josh was talking about Spider-Man. I think Garfield, I, who's the new Spider-Man? Just signed a movie deal. And Charles like, I didn't hear that. That's not real. And he's like, no, no, it is. And he's like, where? Where's the headlines? And he was like naming off all these websites. And Charles like, I don't know them. I don't know them. I don't know them. And then he said comicbook.com. And he's like, oh, that's legit then. And I went, really? Comicbook.com sounds fucking old and outdated. He's like, no, no, no. They, they don't lie. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's good to know you can well, have a news source. You people can listen to us through podcast.com. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so back to where I started. The Lars von Trier show. On the scales of marketability and art value, would the scales be tipped completely into art or is there something there? It's pretty pretty far in art. I, I don't know. It's like... 80-20? You got you to you well, know Lars, I, I feel like, to get, to get into it, you know? So what we it's like, like kind of edgy, you know? There's like some pretty um, graphic stuff in it sometimes. It's oh, got a very dark sense of humor. It's kind of edgy. Oh, okay. So we're looking at like a 60-40 here. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, I mean, how, how marketable is any Lars von Trier film you've seen? Well, has it Jack Belt should have been <laughs> every theater. I'm, I'm, it's funny that you went to that one because I instantly thought of Nymphomaniac. And I'm like, that yeah. you could show, you bring your family. Let's come <laughs> hang out. I saw part one in a very small theater in Berkeley, California, and it was kind of awkward. <laughs> it was only awkward because you had your pants off, right? Is part one, That's did true. she suck off the pedophile in part one or is that part two? I think that might On be the train? Part two. Also, no, no, that's no. No, not on the train. Not on the train. The train was random strangers. The pedophile, again, if you want to talk about giving uh, oral to a pedophile who's about to be arrested, or are they going to kill him? No, she she outed him as a pedophile. Okay, and that was like, And then she's like, you know, this is the saddest thing because, you know, he's a virtuous pedophile. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now. I just brought a, a life into this world. Yes. And um, you probably know where I'm going here. I, uh, I really don't. <laughs> I'm a little worried. I'm full of empathy, <laughs> and I understand why she did it. And it's just, I'm glad that I'm here. I'm almost like a monk sitting atop a mountain. I feel fully enlightened. But my heart is full, and I am here to help. And I will commend her. I don't her know if monks go on mountains, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I'm the monk on the silver. Monk on the silver right. mountain. So Randy says the show sucks. Don't watch it. No, it's I good. I just so. don't know who... I can't answer your question. <laughs> I can't answer your question. I feel like if you don't know Lars von Trier, you probably, or if you're not into Lars von Trier, you won't like it, but I, yeah, I do, so weird, I like it. This is a weird question, well, Russ. it's only weird because our group's kind of incestuous. Not to out you guys. I'll blow you in a minute. Thank you. But here's the thing. It's like, that's the problem with this kind of community, like the Alamo Drafthouse community. Yeah. Is it's like, hey, here's a new Quentin Depew film. And it's like, <laughs> if you're like, oh, fuck yeah. Then, I mean, there's clearly more people who are like, who? Yeah. <laughs> the canceled Looney Tune character? Yeah. And it's like, no, no. See, that is true. That's but here, here's my empathy level now. Here we go. I would uncancel Pepe Le Pew. I realize now he's teaching us that we need to treat women with respect. Yeah. That's how I spread abroad like a, Oksana. That's why this shit was dumb because, <laughs> you know, that man's French. I know they stink, right? The French fuck, dude. <laughs> what are they talking about? Harry Pitts and all. Yeah, man. Also, that's my new name, Harry Pitts. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Randy. I, I really want to no, watch this show. 
it bummed me out because I've told several people this week. I'm like, yeah, dude, it's on Tubi. Go check it out. And then in our pre-show meeting, it's like, no, it's on movie. I'm like, man, nobody's listening yeah, in the fucking movie. And you're lucky I couldn't find them. We got four episodes left. They're doing the weekly uh, release for the new season. So it's going to end on Christmas. <laughs> what fucking maniac wants to binge Lars von Trier? Hell yeah. So I can't wait. I'm going to stay home from, I'm going to call into work. I'm going to watch eight hours of this shit. I watched season two in like two sittings. <laughs> That's like two and two hours at a time. That's not too bad. Oh, all right. Right. Anything else? No, sir. I went home for Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, before I did, I tried to prepare. Prepare for the show. Because I, I knew that uh, there was not probably going to be an opportunity for me to watch a movie in a theater. So I had needed to download some movies onto my computer because my mother has the worst internet in Western civilization. It's actually gotten better. Uh, but I, dude, she has to get it off. She has two different cell phones that have hotspots. <laughs> I, dude, it's I, it's sad. What the militia doesn't have Wi-Fi out there? But it worked. It, yes, <laughs> times are tough. Uh, it's, it, but it worked. But you know, this is not my first radio. So I downloaded a bunch of movies on my computer. Uh, the movies I downloaded, all six Wait, Mission Impossible films. I feel like I should have had a segment music for all the movies I downloaded. Uh, and it, these are all movies I, I purchased. Uh, oh, thank all, you for clearing that up. All well because we rental, got sponsors. Dude. Except except for uh, Beast Clawing at Straws, I rented that, and I've got twenty three more days to rent it. Oh, dude, that's not the Idris Elba movie. I, I told know. you, it's <laughs> all the Mission Impossible films. Uh, the Northman, which I had not watched yet. Oh, dude, um, everybody's late to that party. Also, I gave that movie a bad review. I I really like that movie. Of course you do. You're back on the eggs train. And my dad is not Irish. He is Norwegian. So, you know, it's a cultural film now. Uh, Night Shift, which I have not seen yet. Um, Vice Squad, as we talked about on the show. Cool. Uh, very much. Uh, uh, Randy, the A24 feature God's Creatures. You know anything about that? I haven't seen it, but I know of it. Well, he is one. Oh, that's very sweet. Mm -hmm. Randy, that's the nicest thing he's ever said to you. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, so I'll go ahead and lead our conversation with this motion picture. Uh, the name of this movie is Hard Target. Oh, I thought it was going to be Ticket to Hawaii. What? Nothing. What? No, dude. Um, I wanted to watch uh, a little JCVD. Now, I uh, have either one of you guys seen Hard Target? Um, I don't know. I got to look it up. With Jean-Claude Van Damme, directed by John Woo. Oh, the Johns got together. John Woo also directed Mission Impossible 2. As a reminder, <laughs> oh my the greatest franchise in the history of cinema. Woohoo. Mission Impossible. Uh, one sucks because De Palma's a heck. Now, I love De Palma. Yeah, but one's the worst one, dude. One kicked off the franchise. One sucked because John Voight's <laughs> CG ass in the goddamn tunnel with a helicopter and the Whatever. train. Whatever. You just want to see fucking Tom Cruise in a thong jump off of Mars back to planet Earth. Who like, does it? That's, Who cares. does it? Nobody cares. America about cares. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hard target. This is what, dude, this movie is 
Hostile. It took the premise. Hostile took the premise of hard oh, target. Okay. I thought you meant it was like threatening you. Um, a woman hires a drifter as her guide through New Orleans in search for her missing father. In the process, they discover a deadly game of cat and mouse behind his disappearance. Essentially, what's happening is the great Lance Hendrickson is uh, taking uh, old veterans uh, throughout the city of New Orleans, uh, promising them, ten, uh, giving them a money belt with $10,000 and says, if you make it to the river by sunrise, you get to keep the money. Uh, and then they've Amazing. got a bunch of people trying to kill them. And so that he's running this elite hunting club. Um, and this uh, young lady uh, napped her father, uh, who she in communication with. But it, even in that communication, he never expressed to her that he was a homeless man. <laughs> and so she discovered a lot in a very little amount of time uh, that her father was homeless and he died. Uh, but first he was missing. They had to go look for him. And then she ran into Jean-Claude Van Damme in a bar. Now, you know, I, 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 a lot of his movies are a blind spot to me. So I, he's not one of, he's not one of the, the action guys I think of. Now that doesn't mean that I didn't like him and I didn't respect him, but I, for whatever reason, like he was a blind spot to me. Mm hmm like, did, did you grow up watching, you know, Bloodsport and all that no, shit? No, not a huge action guy. I did watch Bloodsport, though. It would have to cross yeah. a genre threshold. So, this, like, Cyborg and this shit, is, I watch that. This is fairly close. Yeah, it sounds like Be it. Well, it gets really... Dude, that's why I like John Woo. Uh, and also, I believe uh, this is his first English film. Um, I think I'm, I think I read that correctly. Um, but, you know, I don't get paid to do this show, I so I say shit like that. <laughs> I think uh, they had beef, too, from uh, podcast. JCVD was, and Wu? Yeah. I think everybody had beef with him early on. JCVD? Yeah. Well, you know, they can have beef, but let me tell you something. This man is a god. He is the, it is the, is the most perfect mullet you have ever seen in your life. It is never not greased. It is never not shiny. It is never not beautiful and, and, and full. Um, and I can't tell you how many roundhouse kicks he's doing in this. He kicks everyone to death. And then also a copious amount of gunplay. Um, now there's a, there's one scene in the film, um, which, uh, when I posted this on, on Instagram that, uh, when I was watching this in the Admiral's lounge at the DFW airport, uh, our, our dear friend, David O'Shea, uh, let me know. And he, said something, um, he referenced something in the movie that I had not yet seen in the movie um, and gave me a little hint. Uh, there is a part in this movie, which I imagine is the most famous part of this movie, uh, where they are in the swamps of New Orleans. Um, you know, in, in the bayou, Russell. Down in the bayou. And there is a rattlesnake that Jean-Claude Van Damme grabs and it, it is the fakest snake you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> And he fucking punches it. <laughs> he oh, punches this so rattlesnake. And then he goes to sleep. <laughs> and then he takes it by the tail. And he bites off its rattler. And then he throws it in the tree. He said, I'm leaving a, I'm leaving a gift for our friends. Because they're being tracked. And so one guy got bit in the face by this rattlesnake that lost its rattle. <laughs> and got punched by Jean-Claude Van Damme. Damn. Um, this movie is so much fun. 
It's great, dude. Lance Hendrickson is great. There's a guy in here, Arnold Vosloo. Um, he is the guy who plays uh, Imhotep, Imhotep in uh, The Mummy. Okay. He's that guy. He's also the working man's Billy Zane, as I like to call him. Yeah. Because, uh, man, every time I looked at him in this movie, I was like, God, is that Billy Zane? It's not. Why is Billy Zane doing a bad accent? It's not. Um, and Lance Anderson is just kicking all kind of ass in this. It's fun. It's great. John Woo's doing his John Woo thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you know, busy camera. It's Dude, it's fun, man. Are there pigeons? That's my favorite John Woo thing. I don't. Yeah, you we know, have the gunplay and then the birds go like. Yeah, there's birds. Yeah. Pigeons, I don't know. But there's birds. Um, I, I, I need to tell you what this. What are they, parrots? I need to tell you this. Um, now, he doesn't show up until the last 30 minutes of the movie. Uh, in fact, they kind of hide him in the credits. Um, and frankly, I'm trying, I'm having a hard time trying to find him here. Uh, but our boy, Wilford Brimley, Brimley yeah. is in this movie. Boys and girls, you know I love, I, you know I love the Wilford, Okay. How good is he in the thing? How yeah, good is he in great. anything that he's in? I'm not saying that he's not good in this. What I am saying is that he fully committed to something that maybe someone near him or someone that loved him or someone that was, you know, benefiting from, you know, his agent uh, should have told him not to do what he did as he went full Cajun and you couldn't understand a goddamn word he said. And it, he was just a maniac for 30 minutes and it's fun. But, it, and he plays Jean-Claude Van Damme's uncle, if you can imagine <laughs> that. And he's in, the, he's making moonshine. When we oh, see that's him. right. <laughs> Dude, this movie's so much fun. It's great. Hard target. Again, uh, Wilford Brimley is the, uh, he's Dr. Blair in the thing. So he's the slightly balding, doctor dude that does the uh defibrillator scene which for some reason i can never get the beat of that that scare yeah and every time i watch that movie it gets me fantastic work great he's got he's a cool character actor oh yeah i i I could imagine putting that dude in fucking anything well he's also got diabetes (laughs) oh r.i.p now uh last week two weeks i don't even know when i saw this movie because our recording schedule has been a little wonky um, so I've seen this at, I think two weeks ago, but I haven't had a chance to talk about it on this show. Um, so we're going to talk about it now. Uh, it's a movie that's, uh, it's a big movie. Okay. Got a lot of theaters. Randy and I have seen it. These two haven't seen it. So I'm, I'm going to, I got to tippy toe a little bit, but, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the menu from director Mike, uh, my, my Lloyd. Is that how you say that Randall? My Lloyd? My, my Lloyd? Not my sure. My Lloyd. My Lloyd. That's it. I don't know why I'm putting extra letters in there. Maybe because I'm stupid. A young couple travels to a remote island to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. Now, what I forgot about this, um, because they have been uh, marketing this movie for a very, very long time, and also, uh, same thing with the Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, you are bombarded with advertisements uh, of this movie. Um, and it's, I'll tell you, 
when I was trying to get a Showtime, uh, pick out a Showtime to go watch this movie, every theater was full. Hmm. Uh, it, I think people are going to see this, and I, I, that's great. I love it, and um, it's just interesting that this is the movie to do it because the guy who directed it, um, he's from a little show called Succession, and uh, that's a big show on the Home Box Office Network, uh, Russell. Uh, I know you're not a succession guy. I've heard of it. Uh, it's a great show. Yeah. Very good show. And you can definitely see some of that in the menu. Um, but it is amplified to the nth degree here. Um, and, you know, when when you bring it, the strength of the menu is the casting. That's what I will say. Um, the script Nothing wrong with the script. The script's good. Uh, you know, it, there's nothing overly exciting about uh, how this movie looks. Um, I do like the location, um, and the set design is uh, perfect for what it needs to be. Um, how? I mean, outside of the dining area, I, I just, I, I, I don't know that it, the open kitchen. If I wanted to pick to it with a fine-tuned comb, I could do that. But as a whole, fine. Acceptable. Everything's good. It really succeeds with the casting here. Um, uh, you know, casting Ray Fiennes as this uh, world-class three Michelin star chef who is a tyrant um, is a great, great casting choice because he's just got that face. You look at his face and you are intimidated. And that is what they they had to have that for this role because this movie is taking shots um, at food culture. Um, you can tell that, you know, they're, the people involved in this, um, you know, there's, there's pro-service industry side of things. There's also, you know, pro-consumer side of things of like, hey, we just want to fucking eat a meal why do you have to fucking be all this pretentious bullshit? So it's playing both sides because from, you know, Ray Fine's perspective and the chef's perspective is, you know, this is my fucking life's work mm -hmm. and you are scum and yeah. I am better than you. Um, and it's, it, it, it does a very nice balance of that. And Nicholas Holt, excellent uh, casting choice there because no one plays um, a ratty, skeevy little snot like Nicholas Holt does. Uh, Russell, if you remember, he plays the guy uh, in Mad Max, um, the little chrome boy that's a rat. Oh, weird. That guy. And he's the, like, sous chef or whatever in this? No. So he is, he is the sycophant of the, oh, okay. of the chef. Um, and he brings along Anna Taylor-Joy. Um, who is the bug-eyed skinny girl uh, that has taken the world by storm. Um, and again, she's great. She's a wonderful, wonderful actor. Okay. Also, is it's Anya Taylor-Joy? I believe it's so. Always been? Yeah. Anya. I thought it was Anna. Negative. Oh, this is rough, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so the menu would pair well with Flux Gourmet. Ooh. Because Flux Gourmet is kind of like the I'm gonna amped up. I'm going to tell you right now, no, because <laughs> this is this is a this is a this is a major. This played 3,500 screens, probably. Yeah, 
fucking Flux Gourmet didn't pay 35 <laughs> screens, dude. Like, that doesn't matter. It does. No, because if you're going to double feature, you'd Flux Gourmet would be There's the There's a reason why the these things movie. happen. Yeah, no, but, okay, come on. When you're when you're programming this stuff, you bring in the foodie crowd, and then you're like, oh, we'll have a little fun I mean, I, there's a possibility you could market this a certain way, but, like, what I'm saying is, like, you know, there... These two movies bring two totally different audiences. For sure. But they're both like a critique of like, why? What is up with all the foodie critique now? Well, because it's just, it's a huge part of the culture. And I think that uh, social media is a big part of that. So when millennials Instagram don't have kids, is a, they uh, yeah, critique their eggs. Instagram's a, Instagram's a part of this movie. You know what I yeah. mean? And, and photographing the food and, and things. Um, I'll tell you this, uh, the humor is, is, I, this movie is way funnier than I thought it was going to be. Um, and then when I found out that it was, you know, succession guy, of course, um, they, they know how to write that you know, dark humor. Do they take any shots at Yelp? No. Uh, Come on. We're dealing with mission stars here, bro. Uh, fuck a Yelp. Yeah, but I can, that's easy. Also, not punching down. Okay. Um, but, you know, if you are a. I, I think that. Uh, most people would uh, certainly enjoy this movie because I think that, um, you know, the layman uh, will enjoy from their perspective. But also if you come in this, you know, with me, uh, you know, because I, I do buy into that celebrity chef bullshit. I like that shit. Okay. Uh, I like a showman mm -hmm. and I like the theater of a kitchen. So I eat this shit up. I know. And, you know, with the, and I have come around a bit more to fine dining, but I understand both sides of it. Um, and I just think it's a fascinating subject. And I think that they did a great job that, uh, with all of that and uh, balancing the humor. And I had a great time with the menu. Uh, and that, that is the best I can do without going into, uh, without spoiling it, even though I'm pretty sure you're never going to watch it. Yeah, probably not. Thank you so much. <laughs> Randy? No, agreed. Uh, performances are great. The set design and everything is really cool. It feels very like lived in and like real, although it's like very like sterile and clean, just being a kitchen and everything. But yeah, the humor is 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 fun too. They do like a uh, they kind of have like uh, title like screens between each like course of the menu, and they do some fun stuff with that. They do. Um, man, everybody's doing that now. Big bold letters like. But to it, break up chapters. It so. works in I, this. I, I get it. it. It does look good. Um, okay. Now, to move off of the food thing, I just I have to pitch it to you again. I know you're going to hate me. Yeah. But you're doing a triple feature. How, how do you present them? You got to have a midnight movie, uh, the primetime movie, and the opener. Okay. You got the menu. Okay. Flux Gourmet. Yeah. Pig. Pig menu flux. You open with pig. Yeah, it's the it's the mo it's the most quiet movie of the three. I feel so. I feel like that one needs to be kind of earlier. Yeah, the the reason I thought that would be tough is because I'm guessing it's one of the more genre heavy. So it kind of sets a tone that the others don't really meet. Again, <clears throat> I haven't seen the menu. So. I don't know if we would call the menu a horror film. Uh, yeah, but dude, the marketing totally felt like they're walking into like a saw trap. Like Billy was going to come out and be like, "It's <laughs> not." <laughs> You ate poisoned lobster or something. I enjoy frog raw or some. Randy, what do you think of the ending? Yeah. Okay. Don't don't get away. What would you do? I, would I you didn't do hate it, but it? I didn't love the ending. But 
I, yeah. I, I'll, I'll say I think that the um, culinary uh, attempt was great. Yeah. Yeah, that was that, that was, was cool. really smart, and uh, yeah, I they did a really good job on that end. And also, I'll tell you, my favorite part of the movie was um, also you would lead with the menus first. You go, okay. you go menu, um, and then you close with flux. Okay, and so you, menu pig flux. Yeah, that's Ooh, that's, that's a little daring, but I get it because you got you also got star power in pig. It's probably a movie a lot of people didn't you throw see. the weird one at the end. Yeah, well, that's for the the hardcore crowd. That's yeah. what the midnight movie always sure. was. Okay, um, <coughs> but anyway, answer wrong. Randy was right. I think uh, <laughs> my favorite scene was when um, Randy he made the uh, he made the cheeseburger. Okay, yeah, it's a good scene. That was good. Now, because that shows, and I think they did a good job of explaining. This is the last thing I'll say about this because um, I know we talked about it. And I still got a big movie to talk about as well. It just I like it when chefs bring up their start uh, because all chefs are grounded. Uh, just you know, ego certainly feeds into that. Uh, but at the end of the day, all chefs, all celebrity chefs, major chefs, they worked their ass off to get to that level. Um, so certainly they've earned a little bit of that lip service if they want to provide that. But at the end of the day, they still know how to do the basic things. And they, they know how to make a damn good cheeseburger. And if someone's going to challenge them on that, then they're up for the challenge and they're going to make the best cheeseburger you've ever had. And so I, I just that competitiveness and that nature um, I, I, they, they, they just did a really good job with that. Um, so that's all I'll say. Menu, very good. Really had a good time with it. Hilarious. The next movie, not so much fun. Hold on. On the scale of marketability and art house value. Yeah. <laughs> we talking 80, 20. All right. Here's, 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 here's the interesting thing. So the next movie I'm going to talk about is, uh, our dear friend, Lucas Guacamole. Um, his oh, new movie, favorite. Bones and All. Mm-hmm. Um, Randy, what's it? How do you pronounce his last name? Luca Guadagnino. Thank you so much. Oh my God! Uh, so Lucas Guacamole, his new movie Bones and All. Here's the thing. I feel like there was more Hollywood sort of handholding in Bones and All than maybe the menu, and mm. I could be dead wrong there. Randy, what do you feel? I think I disagree. Okay, here's here's my main point. With the exposition. Okay. Um, although I think that Bones and All, I, I when I was watching this, so there's there's a fairly fairly early on in the movie, um, there is a creative exposition dump. Mm-hmm. But and then I I I I've, what do you mean? Oh, okay. It's creative in the way that it is an exposition. Presented. Okay. Yes. Um, That's all we ask for. Well, and that you don't dump exposition, but still, I didn't feel I didn't feel like I had an exposition dump in the menu, cool. and that's what I'm. That that is my sole basis of this <laughs> argument is the fucking exposition dump. Um, but going back to this, I, I bones and all this. This is also listed as a drama, horror, and romance. Mm-hmm. It hits all three of those. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now the gore is there. Now, you know, uh, Lucas Guacamole, um, let's talk about his, his career here. Um, this is a very interesting filmmaker, and I, I fucking love this dude. 
because you can't put him in a box, man. I, I, he's, I think he's a very versatile filmmaker. He, he cares about his fucking craft. He knows what he's doing and he's doing crazy things. You know, that, that, the three movies, you know, A Bigger Splash, Call Me By Your Name. Then he follows that up with an Argento remake of Suspiria. You know, it's, I, I, I love that he's all over the place. To go from a Oscar darling of Call Me By Your Name um, that, you know, got every fucking body to talk about it and the fucking come on the peach and yada, yada, yada. And next thing you know, he's going to Suspiria and just weirding people out for three hours. Um, and not to mention a bigger splash, which some people fucking hate. I love that movie. So when I found out that he's making a a teenage cannibal movie uh, that's a road trip, sign me up, dude. I'm in. This movie is great. Um, within the first 30 minutes of watching this movie, uh, I had a discussion, an internal discussion with myself. And I said, Clark, uh, this is your favorite movie. Oh God! <laughs> I will tell you by the end of the runtime that 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 thought dissipated, but that doesn't mean that it, the 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 film failed in any way. Um, here's what I love about this movie, and I think the movie succeeds on this level. And I don't know why. I don't know if I can fully explain this, but my favorite thing about this movie is that it takes place in the 1980s, and it fucking looks like the 1980s. The cars are perfect you know what you know i love a a a a a good old truck there's beautiful old trucks in this thing and just i think that having this movie in the 80s when we are mainly in the heartland of america um you know we start in virginia and maryland and then we go to ohio and then we're in uh, iowa and nebraska uh minnesota randy did i get all the states i think that's most of them yeah Thank you so much. Um, so we're, you know, we're, we're in America, okay? So we're not in any major metropolitan through this entire movie. We're seeing the heartland of America. We're seeing the real people of America. And the real people of America, guess what? Some of them are cannibals. <laughs> and it makes them very strange. And I think the problems that I have with this movie is just trying to understand the rules um, that are not very clear and just the the universe that is um, portrayed to a certain extent. And I guess by talking about this, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, you know, uh, disavowing my own argument about the Hollywood thing because they, they don't really go into that um, about why there are some cannibals. Uh, which I think is great. Um, there is a little bit, you know, with uh, you know Chloe Sevigny's uh, character. There, it, it does take it kind of down a different path. We, you know, we're talking about you know genetics and things like that. Oh, and, I didn't even know she was in this. Uh, she's in it for a very short amount of okay. time. Uh, but boy, she brings it. Okay. Well, and also the cannibal thing. I now again, I haven't seen the movie. I thought it was just going to be a kind of device to talk about being like a minority group. Well, in, or like dealing with the LGBTQ stuff and just being kind of outside of popular culture. Although here's how you do social commentary, which one you make it, you make your movie not about it because that's the way you do it. 
let people think, don't give answers, just pose the question. And I think one of the most interesting things about being a cannibal versus like a, uh, like just queer is that a cannibal is actively hurting other people. So it's not a perfect like metaphor, but it's one that you could like chew on a little bit. Uh, pardon the pun. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. It's like, you know, I, I was trying to figure out like what the, what the best allegory for this is. And I, I you know, um, certainly that's one that come to mind and, and, uh, Lucas Guacamole is, is a, uh, is a queer filmmaker. Um, and you know, made probably one of the biggest queer movies, yeah. you know, ever. So weird. Cause I saw an interview. He said he just wanted to imagine a alternate reality where everybody was huge fans of Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he's cool. And all right. Also, I finished that show. It's fantastic. I, I, I didn't start it. it. I don't know. I, how Ryan Murphy is it? Uh, it's so good. It feels not Ryan Murphy. Good. I, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. S- I don't mean to interject here, but I've, it's been like bubbling in my head. Yeah. The last two episodes literally are kind of a reframing of what the show is even doing. Because, you know, the problem with true crime is that you make a number one show on Netflix. Fantastic. But you've kind of put a real life killer on a pedestal now. Yeah. The last two episodes are all about deconstructing that. And it is kind of the thing that I wish slashers did where it's like, wow, that was a fun massacre in Texas. And then you kind of look at the families and it's like, oh, there's a lot of pain and it's not very fun. And they do that for maybe one and a half episodes at the very end. It's powerful shit. I, I really enjoyed it. Hard pass. You'd cry. I don't cry anymore, dude. I'm dead inside. Okay, Randy, too. All right. Uh, we need to talk about the casting on Bones and all as well. Um, man, again, home run. Here's the thing. You can say whatever you want to about uh, Timothy Chalamet. You can talk about, you know, the way he spells his name. Chances are he wasn't, you know, this little prick was born two days after Christmas in 1995 in New York City. All right. You know, he's got a little accent mark. Timothy spells it with two E's and he's got an accent mark on there. And Chalamet, this is all fake. All right. We don't need this thing. Timothy Hal Chalamet. That's not a real thing. Uh, real estate broker and dancer his, are his parents. How gross does that sound? Also, you see his face. It's the most symmetrical thing. He probably weighs 120 pounds. Also, he's got his shirt off in this movie. It's very skinny. It's, it's too... It, but man, the talent on this kid, he brings it. It's great. Taylor Russell, I don't know where she's been, what she's done. Randy, she was in Waves seen? and uh, Escape Room. Oh, she's in Waves? Yeah. Oh, she was the little sister? I believe so, yeah. I only saw that movie once in theaters, but I remember okay. liking it. Yeah, Waves was good. Uh, that's our boy, uh, what's his name? A Trey Edward Schultz? That's the one. Taylor Green is great. Now, Russell. Randy. Taylor Russell, I'm sorry. Did I say Taylor Green? What the yeah. hell? Um, now, Randy, when when you saw this movie and yep. you texted me and you said, uh, bones and all, Mark Rylance is wild. Yeah. Mark Rylance, we talked about him, uh, you know, we talked about him on the show. Um, one, of the, one of the best character actors we have. Uh, when... The the movie about the end of the world that came out last year on Netflix with uh, um, Meryl Streep and uh, the Hunger Games Don't girl. Don't look up or something. Don't look up. Yes, 
Um, he plays uh, a, basically a, a billionaire eunuch in that movie and has a, a very specific um, vocal register that he hits the entire movie. And, dude, he just commits, and he's great. In that terrible movie I saw earlier in the year, The Outfit, mm -hmm. he's the only reason why I saw that movie, and he's the only reason why I didn't walk out of that movie, because it was shit. But he is infinitely entertaining, no matter what he is doing. And the character that he chose in this, um, you know, it, honestly, the way his character was written was pretty uh, to... to uh, is pretty bare bones there, Russell. Uh, bones and all. Good job. <laughs> but he just, he just, man, the, what they decided to do um, with his little character quirks of collecting um, hair braids of everyone that he has eaten yeah. um, is just insane. And he is the villain. Hair yeah. braids? And he's not. Oh, so they're doing a Mandalorian thing, like Boba Fett collecting the Padawan braids. Yeah, except he's shout you know, out to Star Wars. He's dude. riding around in a molester van, <laughs> um, and uh, you know he he finds uh, young Taylor Russell um, in the mean streets of, of Maryland because uh, he smelled her from miles away. And uh, also, we learn this. Um, this happens again. Um, when they are uh, out there swimming in a creek or some shit uh, with Michael Stuhlbard, who shows up. Again, one of the greatest character actors we have uh, shows up and kills it in one scene. Also joining him, his screen partner in this scene, is David Gordon Green, director <laughs> of the Halloween franchise. Um, who I, dude, I don't know if I've seen him on screen since one of his, like, what has he been? Has he acted? What has he acted in? He's got four credits. Oh, he played a director in The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Huh. Oh, he was in The Righteous Gemstones. That's right. That's the only thing I've seen him in. Because um, he, uh, he's homies with all those guys. But, uh, dude, he was great. He plays a cop who uh, wants to be a cannibal, but was not born a cannibal, but he experiments. So... Russell, back to your allegory about the trans thing. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. He is the version of an ally, okay. I guess. I guess. I don't know. I just made this connection right now. Um, man, it's a great road movie. I'll tell you this, man. Prepare thyself for the ending. Prepare thyself. Uh, pretty gut-wrenching um, and beautiful. And uh, it's, man, it's great. It's great. I really had a, a it, Bones and All is really good. Check it right, out. I'll probably watch that one. It's really good. Did you cry? No, but I, I, I felt right. very, very melancholy. Randy 2.0. Randy, what'd you think? Bones and all go. Uh, overall, dug it quite a bit. I am a big uh, fan of road movies as well. Um, really liked the the Heartland, as you say. Uh, sort of just going through that area just seemed very much, just reminded me of being on tour and just going through, you know, those kind of... Uh, Flyover states, as Russell would call them. Scumbag. Nah. Um, Ten years ago, baby. Good for you. The gore is really good. Like you said, it's very effective, very disturbing. Um, I think the only thing that maybe is holding me back a little bit from like loving it, like it's shot beautifully. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I 100% like buy. It, it might be a rules thing as well, but just like 
I don't know if I buy the relationship 100% by the end. Between the, the boy and the girl? Yeah. Oh, well, dude, I, I bought that hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, about, uh, what about their companionship? I don't know. Like, I think they had decent enough chemistry, but I don't, it might, once you said you had an issue with maybe the rules as well, that kind of triggered in my head as well, that that might be part of the, part of the issue. Well, as you know, I am the rules. So, uh, shout out to, uh, that movie. The the McConaughey film. Yeah. With Anne Hathaway's. Yeah. The movie that, uh, Marvel's obsessed with that we saw. Cube. That the no. director, that the creator of oh, Deal now. or No Deal di- made? Oh, I have no idea. What's that movie called? Uh, God damn it, y'all are stupid. <laughs> y'all gotta help me. I have a mental disorder. Don't worry, the producers we'll are on it. Yeah, we'll get it next show. That's Serenity. Serenity. Serenity now. For- How right. could we forgot? The worst. All of America forgot. Um, yeah, d- dude. Yeah. It, the, the rules thing. And I think, I think that's a horror movie problem, to be honest with you. Um, because this movie succeeds on every level it needs to. Um, and I think that the negative reviews that are coming in this, because dude, they go hard, For um, sure. in some areas, like it's, it's pretty gross. Um, and you know, it's, it's uncomfortable and you know, it, I knew that going in because I'm I'm familiar with the director and his work and and you know what he can do and and also just sort of you know the the uh, motif that he's going for in this direction. Um, yeah, great time. Check it out. Horror fans, I think, will relate more to this than maybe the menu. I That's think so me too. Yeah. My neck out there. Well, you guys did mention gore, and so. also, I uh, well, you get a little bit of that in the menu. Um, you know, a severed finger, a burned body, uh, a drowned man, um, the angel investor. That was cute because he was the angel investor and he put angel wings on him and then he drowned him. Uh, just spoiled the menu. Now, that was like an act two. No one gave a shit about that scene. Uh, yeah, there was something else I wanted to say, but uh, yeah, it's really good. Check it out. Good times. Russell? My turn? It's your turn. All right, I'm going to be quick because you two yapped so much this fucking episode. Well, here we go. Sorry, we're carrying the I got three. I got... uh, You have 19 segments. I got three. I have one segment that I do every now and then. I got three things I'm talking about today. Two of them are TV shows. We're going to do this quick. Yeah. I've been watching Asher's Evil Dead because recently I've been deeply, deeply entrenched in Dead by Daylight. If you're into that game, hit me up. Lord Battle anywhere. I'm now, why did Dead by Daylight get you on that show and, and the actual Evil Dead game did not? Uh, because the game's better. Okay. Yeah. And I, I did start watching the, the show after playing the Evil Dead game. But yeah, Dead by Daylight is fantastic. I'm watching YouTube videos about the shit now. I'm deeply in it. Um, watching Asterisk Evil Dead, it's a blast. I wish the writing were a little bit more consistent. The CGI I can get past. But when it when it's good, it's fantastic. Bruce Campbell, please don't ever stop doing the character. I don't care if Robert England hangs up the hat and the claw. You got to keep doing Ash. Um, it's so good. What and else is he doing? So happy. I have no idea. Um, but that's old. So I'm going to move on to a new show. 
28 Days Haunted. Now, this one you might know because it's on Netflix, and I've been talking, I've been having fantastic conversations on Instagram about all the people who dislike the show. It's about three teams spending 28 days in some of the most haunted locations in the United States for an experiment based on theories of paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren. This show is fucking stupid. I love reality shows. I love paranormal hunting. This show somehow makes them both feel extra. Like, I don't even understand how they did it. They broke the ceiling when it comes to inauthenticity. This show feels so lame and, man, it almost makes me angry. Having said that, I think I've watched it completely twice because I put it on for my mom one time when she was coming over to visit our son. And I said, have you seen this shit? (laughs) And I put it on and I'm just like, it's almost like I hate watched it. Then I put it out on Instagram. I'm like, anybody else watch this? And then I had great conversations about how much I hated this show with several people. So if you watch it and you hate it, or if you actually, here's the thing. I do like reality. I do like ghost hunting. This show does them both bad. It's, oh man, I fucking hate it. I think one of the dudes, so there's like a, there's like a central room Mm -hmm. where they're reviewing footage from all three locations. And I think the guy is the stepson to Ed and Lorraine Warren. That's hot. It's like, oh, this guy's got some name value. Um, So go ahead and skip that one. Last. When's the last time you hate watch something? I don't know. I think, um, I don't know. I think I'm pretty good at not doing that. So yeah, this might be the first (laughs) 28 days haunted. The last thing I'm going to talk about, I need to give a shout out to our other found footage adventurer, avid listener, Rich, who hit me up with the title live escape. Now live escape came out, I think two days ago and you can rent it on Amazon prime. Two cops investigate an eerie, empty homeless shelter with an endless maze of spaces and are attacked by zombies. They discover how these zombies were created. What will happen if the zombies escape the city? That's the synopsis on IMDb. I'm glad I didn't read it before watching the movie. Anyway, this is a very low budget. Um, overperforming, I'll say, uh, in some parts. Uh, it's got a fantastic location of what I think is probably a haunt, an off-season haunt. Because when they say an endless maze, they really mean it. Now, I I really enjoyed this film, and it is found footage. We're doing a little bit of a body cam thing here, but we cut to security camera footage. We've got a uh, pair of cops. Um, we're doing a training day thing where one is new. I think he's only been around for a week. The other one is uh, kind of like a seasoned, good-looking guy. Someone at my work was talking about that they had watched... Um, training day? End of, end of Watch. End of Watch, yeah. I still haven't seen that one. You never saw it? No, I never watched it. It's good. Yeah, I've It's heard. your boy. I know. I just missed it. Yeah. I got to watch it when it comes out. This one, I will say the writing is a little bit tricky. Like we're hanging out in the back seat, Like that's where the camera is as two cops are talking. And we spend a lot of time with just characters in the car, which is kind of nice. You don't see that in indie movies because they shy away from acting. But the driver, who is also the trainer, he's got the kind of personality that like little dudes develop. Like he's charismatic. He's funny. He's a little bit inappropriate, but it's a way to be an icebreaker. Are you taking shots right now? No, I consider myself small too. <laughs> Just not, I, not in the nope, wide. Department. Another shot. <laughs> Fuck, Your dude. last name's Little. You should. Another be shot. So then the partner has kind of like a. Uh, I'm a tough guy. I don't know. He's kind of like he seems a little bit dumber, and um, I don't know. He seems like he would be the problematic dude. And when they get out of the car, it's like, wait a minute. The trainee is like a tall, handsome looking guy. And the other dude is kind of like short and dumpy. And 
it's like, oh, that's interesting. I just, I didn't see that happening. Another thing that happens in indie film, especially horror, is you can play the game of who's the director. And usually that means who's banging all the girls that are way too hot for them. Who's cool and the life of the party when they shouldn't be. Who's uh, like living in a world where they're just the center of it. And you're looking at them, you're like, in no universe, you're repelling me. This is the Clark Little movie. Dude. So, no, I mean, normally you can tell in indie horror. This one, I could not. Because the trainee cop was the director of the movie. Did that read to you at all, Oksana? No. <laughs> no, right? Because he's kind of the butt of every joke. I don't know. I really like this one. But again, if you're not into shot and video, regional horror, indie stuff, or like deeply into found footage, avoid it. It's not going to be for you. But, man... It really takes you back to like early 2000s when people were still making a zombie movie. Yeah. Like people were like, oh, let's make a zombie movie. And that was kind of like what you did with your friends. This has that feel to it. There's a bunch of people in makeup doing all sorts of random kind of zombie shit. Also, they break the Z word in this film. But then they, they even play a game where it's like, would you rather fuck a 102 year old lady or a zombie? And it's like, so they mentioned zombie. How hot's the zombie? The zombie got picked. No, actually, I don't think the, the old lady got picked in that. But the zombies in this movie, they don't call them zombies. It's weird. I don't know. There's a lot of internal things going on. They call them biters. Live escape. Um, I recommend it only to the weathered warriors of found footage or um, indie cinema. And that's it. So how many stars? Uh, three and a half. Maybe four. Okay. Probably three and a half. All right, now, uh, very briefly, I, I do want to talk about, uh, what is this deal about, uh, did you, I don't remember if we tweeted it or saw it somewhere else about Jim Carrey filming a found footage movie during Dumb and Dumber 2. He said, yeah, he wanted to make one. Yeah, what was that about? You know, he wants to make a found footage movie that's a sequel to Dumb and Dumber. And he told Moorhead and Benson about this? Oh, I have no he idea. He told the Daniels. There you oh, go. the Daniels. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, probably will never happen. That's one of those headlines that people pull out of an interview and then they're like, yeah, it was, I, yeah. I watched the interview. It was the, the Hollywood reporter, like actors round table or writers round table. And, uh, basically he was okay. saying that they wanted Jim Carrey wanted them to pitch something that they would shoot during the making of dumb and dumber two or whatever, but the recent one. Yeah. And they went so far to pitching it and like the producers were like, no, we're not going to shoot a movie while we're shooting a movie, essentially. Oh yeah. Like nobody's ever done that before. Look at fucking Pearl, man. <laughs> oh, I watched Pearl. They're oh, working man. with a lot more money here. I'm sure with Dumb and Dumber 2 than they are Pearl. Can you send me a link to that, Randy? Uh, yeah. Thank uh, you. Pearl's better than X. I enjoyed Pearl more than X. Hot take. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pearl's pretty good. Uh, dude, uh, she's great, man. Hell yeah. She, uh, she don't play around. All right. The alligator thing is annoying, though. I was just, just, just going to say, like, you know, the, the, can we not villainize alligators? I thought Pearl was cool, not better than X. X bored me. Checks out. Um, she fucked the scarecrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't want to say snowman. My God. <laughs> All right. Uh, Randy, uh, leave our listeners with uh, something very nice. 
uh, I, I will just say a shout out real quick to our other eSpace cinematographer friend, Jusadi. I can't speak words. Jusadi was out here visiting some family and he came down to my neighborhood and we got some beers the other night and it was good to see him. I don't know how often he listens to the show, but if he is, good to see you. All the time. He listens all the time. As he should. He fucking loves us. And uh, that's tight. Y'all got to hang out. Um, Hell yeah. Okay. No, that was a little bit more serious than I wanted to end this episode. But uh, we'll see you next week, scumbags. There. That's better. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.